Hi, everybody. It's a rainy Saturday here in Birmingham, Alabama, but I hope it's nice where you are. But even if we got rain, God says he sends his rain on the just and on the unjust, which means, depending upon how you look at it, it's a good thing. Even if you don't like it, the just get it and the unjust get it. And if you do like it, the just get it and the unjust get it. So it's a good thing. And it is a good thing because when God says, Paul plants and Apollos waters. Well, the planting of the seed cannot grow, which is responsible, which God is responsible for, but it also cannot grow without being watered. So water is a good thing. Plus, it gives me a chance to stay in here and do this recording and share this time with you. Um, do you remember that the Apostle James tells us near the end of the New Testament to not just be a hearer of the word only, but to be a doer, <clears throat> I've thought about that, and I wonder what happened in his life to prompt him to say that to, to himself, but to those he initially wrote the letter to, but also that the Spirit has used to tell everybody all throughout history, including us. But you know what? We do know what happened to Israel's first king, Saul not too far into the Old Testament. It was a very, very hard and personal lesson. And if we didn't live in an era or age of grace right now, it would, have been, it would be harder for us to. But we still need to learn this lesson and we still need to be impacted by it. And we need to know what happened and learn from him and his experience and apply it to our lives, amen? Let me share with you, about 10 years ago or so, I taught school for a couple of years. Believe it or not, yeah, I did. It was something I was totally unprepared for, and it was something I wasn't educated for either. But, but God, but the Lord knows the end from the beginning. That means he knows from the very beginning, in all of his plans and purposes, he knows what's going to happen. So we roll with it, okay, and we trust him. And also, he never leaves us or forsakes us. So even though we might not be prepared for something, or we might, we might feel inadequate to the task, if God's called us to it, he's going to be there for us and through us to make sure that his plans and purposes succeed. And I took <clears throat> a lot of uh, comfort in that. I leaned on it pretty heavily, too, and I still do. So my first year, when I was in Lima, Peru, with my wife, uh, I was teaching a sixth grade class, and I was new at teaching, and I was needing and wanting both to have something from the Bible that I could share with my kids. It was during a time of mild but habitual behavioral issues. Imagine that. Twelve-year-old kids, okay? While I was earnestly seeking him, though, Jesus led me, as he always does, to a scripture that I either hadn't read before or didn't remember, certainly didn't live by it. And I've turned back to it many, many times, not just for myself, but to share with other people because it's such a powerful lesson. I can't believe I didn't know it then because I was walking with the Lord for a few years by that time. But um, anyway, no matter what age you are spiritually, you are impacted by God's holy word. Amen. So I've turned back to it many times for myself 
and I still treasure it to this day. And that's one of the reasons I want to share it with you. Although it wasn't me choosing this, it was something, again, when I sought the Lord that he led me to. And it, I, I learned from it and still do. And I want you to also, because, you know, you need to know it. I need to know it, but you need to know it and learn it. And not only that, you need to live it too. Okay, the scripture itself is in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 47, through chapter 15, verse 35. Now, the pivotal verses, the ones the Lord, the Lord zeroed me in on, is in verse 22, but also in verse 33. But we need to, and we should want to, learn the context, read the longer passage, okay, so we can understand everything that's going on there, why God said what he said, what, uh, how, how the, his instruction took on special meaning, and, and what, you know, what the context was, why did you say it, what did I, why did I need to hear that from you, okay, our loving Savior, he says and does everything the Father says and does. And if we're going to imitate Christ, we need to do the same thing. Now, he's got different roles than we do, okay? He's a king and a father. He's a judge and a teacher. He's a sovereign. He's an authority. He's the most high. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's our potter, and he's the giver and the taker. Of life we are none of those things if he needs to look to God and, and and learn from him and and listen to him and obey him how much more exponentially do we need to do the same thing so let's take a moment and read that scripture okay it's first Samuel 14 47 through chapter 15 verse 35 excuse me I'm knocking my glasses over it says, when Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, though, he routed them, and he did valiantly, and he struck the Amalekites, and he delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan, Ishvi, and Malkishua, and the names of his two daughters were these. The name of the firstborn was Merab, and the name of the younger Michal. And the name of Saul's wife was Ainoam, the daughter of Amihaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, who was the son of Nair, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Nair, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now, there was hard fighting against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or valiant man, he attached him to himself. And Samuel, <clears throat> the prophet of the Lord, said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt when I delivered them. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have, 
do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people, and he numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek, and he lay wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. In other words, get out of here before I kill them, and I don't want to hurt you either. When we came out of there, you showed kindness to us. I want to show kindness to you, so go. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amal Amalekites, alive and devoted them to destruction, all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, the king, and the best of the sheep and of the oxen, and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them all that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction that's important to remember then the word of the lord came to samuel he says i regret that i have made saul king for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments and that made samuel angry not a God, but against Saul, because he didn't obey God, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early the next day to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. I have told you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, have I not made you the head of tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission. And he said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they're consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I've devoted the Malachites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, and here's the two verses, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and in sacrifices as in obeying 
the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day, and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel, that means God, will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. Then he said, Saul said, I have sinned. Yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before all of Israel, and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul bowed before the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring here to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him cheerfully and thought to himself, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, his home, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Now, for me to really grasp this and not just overlook it because I don't understand, and maybe you too, we need to step back a minute and ask ourselves, what is the fat of rams? Remember in verse 23, excuse me, verse 22, it says, behold, to, to obey is better than sacrifice. I understand that. And to listen is better than the fat of rams. Well, I don't know about you, but I need to understand what the fat of rams is to know why it's not as good as listening and obeying. In other words, I need to understand what the value of one is so I can appreciate the value of another. So what is the fat, F-A-T? What is the fat of rams and why is it important? Okay, then we can see why the Lord says what he says, and because we can now fully value that, then we can rightly comprehend and appreciate how the obeying and the listening are so much weightier and so much more important to our Savior than even these other things, right? Look at it this way. If we don't fully appreciate the value of $50, say, then how will we rightly and proportionally be grateful when we have $100 or $500 or $10,000? And you know, and that's part of where we are today, to tell you the truth, by the way, as Christians, okay? 
We're so used to God's goodness. And I'm guilty of this too. Maybe you've never thought about it this way. We're so used to him being good to us that we tend to underestimate and devalue somewhat and take for granted all of his gifts to us. We get casual as a result of that when it comes to our relationship with him and how we obey him and our walks with him. And sad to say, we don't get nearly as convicted of our sin as we should. And you know what? We end up looking like the world, plain and simple, just bluntly. We look like the world around us. Now, I don't often look to things outside scripture, but in this case, I did a little, really, little bit of research to find out what it was, because the Bible didn't explain it. Well, it does a little bit, but not in, in, in its entirety. So I came across a really great blog or an article, and it was written back in 2007. And if you want to look it up, it's called, Why is the Fat Reserved for God? And it's from a site called thesimpleanswers.com. I highly recommend it, okay? It's got plenty of scriptural references for authenticity concerning the truth, and it helped me quite a lot, and it was thoroughly researched, so I think it was really good. Uh, but the long and short of it is the inadequate, insufficient summary is that it takes, excuse me, the, the, the fat, Okay, it's the inner fat that surrounds some of our organs. See, I didn't even know that. I'm not a biology person, so I didn't even know that. It's not the, the fat or the plumpness or the chubbiness or the obesity or anything like that, that that we can see from the outside. It's the inner fat that surrounds and helps protect, I guess, some of our organs and our vital organs. It's a Hebrew word. Again, I'll tell you so you can look it up. It's in the concordance. It's Hebrew 2459. It's C-H-E-L-E-B, and I think the Israelites would say Chaleb. And it refers to the choicest or the best part. And it refers to abundance, okay, like in the produce of the land, okay? Um, you may have heard the expression, the fat of the land. I think the Bible uses it, but... Secular people use it too sometimes. Well, in this case, it means the best of the produce, the, the, the choicest, the ripeness, the best of the harvest. Okay. And to show you how important that is, in Numbers chapters 18, excuse me, chapter 18, verse 17, in fact, it talks about the firstborn of the cows or the firstborn of the sheep or the firstborn of the goats and how burning their fat is, quote-unquote, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So there's something about this fat of the land that's good to God and the fat of the animals that's good to God. In fact, he said, when you back in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, when he was showing the people how to obey him and worship him and, and how to follow him and how to, how to properly have a right relationship with him um, and offering sacrifices and offering offerings, he said, Give me the fat. That's the best part, the choicest part. The fat belongs to the Lord, it says. Now, just as we read in verse 22, when it says, says again, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, it is better to obey than sacrifices, or to obey is better 
than sacrifices, and to listen is better than the fat of rams. So if the fat of rams is so good, and sacrifices and offerings are commanded and so good, okay, what about the listening? What about the obeying? Now, follow me through this short little not just four little things here I want to point out. If you can see how one leads to the other. Okay. God is saying in essence, I'll put it in my own words. God is saying as good as sacrifices are. And I have commanded them. They're nothing to me. When compared to or in place of obedience. That's point number one. And it leads to this point number two. If you remember in Psalm 51. David declares that the sacrifices of God, there we go again, sacrifices, meaning the ones that he doesn't make, but the ones that he requires that we are to make, that are pleasing to him, are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. In other words, again, God is saying, sacrifices are good, offerings are good, but the ones that really matter to me is not walking like the worldly people do, not still being a worldly person, not being religious and, and doing all these external things that you think is, are going to be pleasing to me when your heart is still in sin. I want you to be broken over your sin. I want you to be truly contrite over your sin. Those are the things that make me pleased, the things that are pleasing to me. Okay, then in, in 1 Corinthians 13, I'm sure you remember that. Sometimes they call it the love chapter, and you understand why, because it talks about that. Okay, but the, the, the short of it is, Paul goes through a list of things that are all wonderful, good things to have, even as a Christian. But in the end, he says, you know what? Without love, and in this case, meaning without listening to and without obeying God, showing him love in this way, all the other things we do, Paul says it's a noisy, clanging symbol, and we might say they're just noise, or they're just a bunch of clamor. It means nothing. So God, again, is saying, hey, in the beginning, he said, sacrifices are good, offerings are good, but if you don't listen and obey me, okay, it's even, they're not, it, that's, a, that's better than the fat of rams, okay? Then he says, okay, that if you don't obey me, these other things, other thing, these other things mean nothing. Then he says in Psalm 51, sacrifices are good, offerings are good, but what I really want is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Further than that, then he takes it a step further and says again, all these other things you do for me, if you speak in tongues, if you if you give alms to the poor, if you can <clears throat> if you can preach, if you have the gifts of teaching, discernment, uh, interpreting dreams, all these things, and they're gifts of the spirit, they're good things. Everything that comes from God is good. Amen. Okay. Then they say, if, if 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 you don't have love, then they're nothing. They're just a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal, a bunch of clamor. Same thought, just a progression. Then the final point, the fat, the choicest part, the best part of the sacrifice. It's the best. It's the choicest part. And, and it's offered to, and it's pleasing to, and it belongs to the Lord, the Bible says. But obedience is better, okay? But listening is better. And if you don't listen, you can't obey, okay? So you see that progression, I hope. Listen to what God says and do what he says, okay? And I'm reminding myself of that. Don't presume to think that your ideas or your sacrifices or your ministry 
whatever it is, are better than simply listening to and obeying his voice. Okay, that's the lesson. Now, I'm sure at some point, Saul wasn't thinking that he was rebelling or being disobedient. He probably thought, just as you and I would, that saving the best of the animals to present to God as a sacrifice was a good idea and um, pleasing to him. But he thought, okay, as Eve did, Samuel said to him, what then is this bleeding of the sheep that I hear? What is the lowing of the cattle and the oxen that I hear? So what was the result of the presumption and the disobedience of listening to the people instead of listening to and obeying the voice of the Lord? Remember, he said, I have sinned and transgressed. He admitted it. He said, because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Okay, verse 23 says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Now ask yourself, what have I missed? What have we missed from our lives and our walks with God and our Lord, our Lord and Savior and our relationship with him? Because we thought we were doing what would be pleasing to the Father rather than listening to and obeying the voice of the Lord. Ask yourself that. Remember in John 10, Verse 27, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, okay? They listen to me, and I know them, and they follow me, okay? So Saul heard, but he didn't really listen, and he definitely didn't completely follow the right way. So when Jesus says, hear my voice, he's saying, like God said, listen to the voice of the Lord. When Jesus said, they follow me, he's saying, they're obeying me. Saul heard it, like I said, but he didn't really follow it, did he? Okay. And Eve did the same thing when you think about it. Look in the Garden of Eden, okay? In Genesis 3.1, Satan said to her, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And she responded, and she showed that she heard the, the voice of the Lord, and that she, she understood what he said, because she responded in verse 3, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, she repeated it, she heard it, she listened, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But like Saul, she disobeyed. She rebelled in her heart, although she might not have thought that's what she was doing, and she thought instead of listening, or she presumed instead of obeying, that she knew better is what she was really saying. Okay, verse 6 illustrates this. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Okay, what does that mean? She sinned. Okay, just as Saul's kingdom was taken from him, the Lord sent them, Adam and Eve, out of the garden. Okay, their kingdom, like Saul's, was taken from them too. So what have we lost because of our disobedience that seemed like a good idea at the time? When, honestly, honestly, have we thought or presumed to know better than the Lord of hosts by doing what we deemed right? in our own eyes, rather than listening to and obeying the voice of the Lord. 
Does the student know better than the teacher? Of course not. Jesus himself pointed that out. Now, to make this point a little more illustrated or a little more emphasized, hold on to your seatbelts for a minute, okay? This might convict you just a little bit. It did me. In Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, the Lord of all the universe has a conversation with the Israelites. It's not a good one. It's not one they wanted to hear or really even understood. That's why they asked some questions, and you'll see that. And it's not one I would want to have with him either. It's one, but we might need to have one with him, or he might need to have with us. In fact, it says, listen to this. It says, God says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I'm a master, where is my fear? Or where is the fear of me? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, leaders, but everybody. But if I'm speaking to the priests, of course I'm speaking to those under the priests. Who despise my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? And God says, by offering polluted food upon my altar. Oh, does that sound familiar? What did Saul do? He, or, he gave the choicest, but not all, to God. Okay, And they gave, according to God, um, polluted food. And he says, but you say, how, will we, how have we polluted you? And he says, by saying that the Lord's table may be despised, when you offer blind animals, God says, in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor or your leader or your emperor. Will he accept you for that or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, you think you're bringing me a sacrifice, but where's your heart? Is, in the, is, it, is it in the right place? Are you going to present a gift to your governor that he wouldn't accept, and then you come to me and you're offering me a sacrifice, which is supposed to be the fat, the best, and not only that, supposed to be the unblemished, it's supposed to be the firstborn, but you're offering me blind animals, lame animals, sick animals. Do you think that's acceptable to me? Well, Lord God is saying to us pretty clearly and pointedly. He's reminding us that he's not just a man. He's not just a governor and he's not just a king, but he is a king. But he is the great king and he is the greatest king and he's the king over all kings. Should he not be shown honor and respect and be listened to and obeyed as we would a human master or ruler? Of course, when we offer him sacrifices, do things in his name or service, but don't listen to him and don't obey him, will he, even in his long suffering and even in his steadfast love for us, will he be pleased with what we think we're doing for him in his name? Speaking of in his name, 
We mentioned this last week, but in a different context, but it's totally, totally appropriate here. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Do you remember that? It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, and Jesus is saying this, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not what I think, not what I presume, but what God says do. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name or on your behalf and cast out demons in your name or on your behalf and do mighty works in your name or on your behalf? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So Jesus is saying, among other things, just what God is saying to Saul. You're not listening. You're not obeying. Your heart is not in the right place. You're doing externals or you're doing the right things for the wrong reasons or you're doing something you think is pleasing to me rather than what I've told you to do or you're not taking the time to seek me so that you can hear me, so that you can listen to me, so that you can know what I'm telling you, so that you can do it. We gotta watch these things. We gotta watch our preaching. We gotta watch our ministries. We gotta watch all these things we think we're doing for God when God maybe never told us to do them. Now, here's another hard question. Do you think he's speaking these things to the unsaved? No, they have no interest in the things of God or very little, nor at all being called by his name. He's speaking to the church, friends, okay? Amen, you understand that? You believe that? We are chosen by God, just like Saul was. We are called by God, just like Saul was, okay? Saul was called and chosen by God, too. He even had his own personal prophet to speak to him on God's behalf, so there was no misunderstanding. David had his, too. Just as we have the Word of God, and we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit speaking to us, living, us, living on the inside of us, speaking to our hearts. So we can say we have the word of the Lord, too. We have our personal prophets in, in the person of the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus Christ on the inside of us. And we have the word of God to read. So there's no excuses, okay? I'm not trying to say this to be mean. I'm trying to put God's heart out here to myself and to you. Whatever we think we're doing, we got to listen and obey the voice of the Lord because the sacrifices don't matter otherwise. The ministries don't matter otherwise. The offerings don't matter otherwise. The things we do for him in his name, listening to and obeying the voice of the Lord, none of this other stuff, stuff matters. If we do all these other things and exercise our spiritual gifts and do good works, but they're not out of love, they're for some other reason or motive, not pleasing to the Lord, okay? Almighty God does not want our sacrifices or our good works or our ministries if, if he does not have our ears, which means to listen, and our hearts and minds, which means to obey. King David, Saul's successor, the one that came right after him. In fact, David might never have been made king if Saul hadn't messed up, but Saul did, and so David was chosen. He was going to build an altar to the Lord. Why? Because he had a sincere hope, he had sinned, and he had a sincere hope of averting the consequences of his sin. God told him, you sinned, he admitted it, 
and God said, I'm going to give you three choices. Okay, you, you can choose this as your consequence, this is your consequence, or that as your consequence. And God and David thought about it. And he said, okay, this is left up to the heart of man. This one is left up to the heart of man. This one seems to be left up to God. So I'm employing his, employing his mercy. So I'm going to choose that one. Okay, and so he wanted to approach God and God told him, go do this. If you want to avert your sin, then there's no value and it cost him nothing. It was not only insulting to God because it wasn't the best, it was insulting his king and master and lord and savior. And we need to look at it the same way. Okay, let's read 2 Samuel 24 verses 18 through 25. It says, And Gad, the prophet, came that day to David and said to him, Go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruana the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word, as the Lord commanded. And when Aruna looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And he went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And he said, David said, No, excuse me, Aruna said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Aruna said to David, let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. In fact, if you want, take my oxen for the burnt offering Take my threshing sledges and even the yokes of the oxen for the wood to burn, burn it on. And he said, all this I give to the king. And Aaron said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. May he sacrifice is what that means. But, but David said, the king said to the servant, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. He says this, key, key verse, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. In other words, if it's not the best of what I have, it's not the choices of what I have, it costs me nothing, there's little value, it's lame or blind or sick, I'm not going to offer it to the Lord. Excellent. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord, and then he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. Do you see how this historical account, and I always use the words historical account instead of story, because when you hear the word story, we think of a childhood story, which means it's fictitious, or it's cute, or it's playful. This is a historical account. It means it really happened. There were real people involved. There were real lives involved, real circumstances involved, okay? So do you see how this historical account once again involved burnt offerings? And here they were offered and accepted. When the Lord spoke to Saul, he told him plainly that he didn't take nearly as much delight in the offerings and the sacrifices as what? As he did when they or we listened to and obey him. What was different about David's experience? 
remember? Saul was presumptuous, it said. Okay, he heard what the Lord said to him through Samuel, his prophet. There was no misunderstanding. But Saul decided to do things a little differently. In essence, even though the father told him to completely destroy the Amalekites, Saul decided it was better to save their king, probably to show his people how victorious he was in battle. That was common. And that's prideful, okay? And to save the choice animals for a sacrifice. Though he later admitted that he feared the people and gave in to their desires. So rather than listen to and obey his king, he listened to and obeyed his people that he was king over. David, by contrast, was told the voice of the Lord and his end was better than his beginning. Okay? God averted the plague that he was going to send. And remember, in your minds right here, obedience is better than sacrifice. And to listen is better than the fat of rams. What does it say in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9? You might not remember the scriptural notation or the reference, but I'm sure you remember the words. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Okay, he's proclaiming to us that he, he is not just eminent, he's preeminent. He is from everlasting past to everlasting future. He rules over all. He's efficient and has a plan and a purpose for everything he says and does. He doesn't waste anything, so he wants things to be done. Okay. He doesn't have a fudge factor or a or uh, some fluff laying around anywhere or some wiggle room. You know, he's very efficient. So when he says do this, we do it. We do it how, where, when, everything. Okay, that's the listening and the obeying. And you know what? His his sta his godly stature and his nature is so far above ours. He knows the end of things from their beginning. I love that verse. And that we're just men. And we know we're just men. However, however, we tend to elevate ourselves in our own eyes. And we do what is right in our own eyes. We need to seek him diligently. Not partially, not half-heartedly. Diligently. And when we do, we need to listen to his voice. And we need to obey his commands, okay? As, God, as good and proper and appropriate as sacrificing aroma to God if we don't listen and obey, okay? You might say it this way. If we listen and then obey and then offer uh, offerings and sacrifices, fantastic. But if we offer sacrifices and offerings and don't listen and obey, terrible. That's kind of what it is, okay? So we need to consistently and continually ask our Heavenly Father some questions. Listen to what he says and keep listening until he speaks. We can't sit down and say, God, I've only got 10 minutes here. Please speak to me. You know, 
He might. He's very gracious. But on the other hand, we need to approach the king of all the universe and say, no, I'm going to sit here and listen if it takes 10, 15, 30 minutes or two days or a week. I'm going to listen. Then I'm going to obey. Then I'll know I'm doing what's pleasing to you. Let's ask ourselves some questions, okay? And very serious questions. Number one, I would say, what do I need to be broken of, Father God? Number two, what do I need to be contrite about, Lord? Number three, how do I need to listen to you, Jesus? What do I need to hear from you? Number four, how do I need to obey you, Holy Spirit? How do I do that? How do I go about doing that? So first of all, what do I need to be broken of? What do I need to be contrite about? How do I need to listen to you? How do I need to hear? What do I need to hear? And how do I go about obeying you? Show me area or areas of my life in my thinking, my trusting, my watching, my listening, my speaking, my acting, everything. Show me areas in my life where I'm not listening, or that I'm only hearing what I want to hear, and therefore being rebellious, and by extension, practicing divination. I mean, that's what it says in the Word. It says it's as the sin of divination, and we're doing it without even realizing it. Or maybe we are realizing it, and that's worse. Show me again places in my life, my mind, and my heart where I'm not being obedient. I think I'm doing your will. I think I'm carrying out your command. Put a, put a Samuel, please, or put a Gad, or put a Nathan in my life that will show me and tell me if I have ears to see, excuse me, eyes to see and ears to hear. Okay, listen and obey, eyes to see, ears to hear. Put him in my life, please, and show me where and how I have been or am still being presumptuous, what I think is pleasing to you, rather than just listening and knowing and then obeying and doing only what you've told me to do. Remember, the fat, the best, the choicest, the most abundant belongs to the Lord. It's the best part, the choicest part. It belongs to the Lord. And you know what? The fat of a man should be his heart and soul. That belongs to the Lord. What does the Lord want of us? He wants our fat, which is our heart and our soul, our listening and our obedience, every part of us. If you remember it in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'm sure you've heard this before. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. And I'll say, as well as your hearts and souls and minds, because that's biblical, as a living sacrifice. Talking about sacrifice, to present your bodies, your whole lives, your members of your body, your souls, hearts, minds, everything, your fat your whole life as a living sacrifice, not a dead and killed and slaughtered and cooked sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. Holy, what we've just read in 1 Samuel 15, especially verses 22 and 23. 
is telling us that sacrifices and offerings are good. They're acceptable. In fact, we're supposed to, as true believers and trusters in and followers of Jesus Christ, to offer, offer all of ourselves, it's telling us, all the parts of our physical bodies to be a living sacrifice and offering to him. Okay, But further it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by, by the renewal of your mind and your heart and your soul, that by trusting excuse me, by testing, you may discern what is the perfect will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and again, what is perfect. Saul heard the perfect will of God. Samuel told him face to face what it was. Samuel told him what was good and acceptable and perfect. He didn't listen to people. They're not his king. Jesus is our king. The Lord God Almighty was his king and is our king. Listen to and obey him alone. Okay? Don't listen to people around you. Okay? The beginning of that verse, the second well, the second part of it says, Do not be conformed to this world. What did Saul do? He let himself be conformed to the world. The people around him said, do this. Saul said, I listened to the voice of the people. I have sinned. I have transgressed. God is telling us Paul, through Paul, he's saying, don't, don't, don't be conformed to this world. You know, when you seek me diligently and when you listen to me, then obey me. Don't follow after them. Don't hear their voice. Don't listen to their voice. Don't follow them. Listen to me. I'm your God. I'm your king. Do what I say. Be transformed in your mind so that you can do what I'm telling you to do, not being conformed to the world and doing what they tell you to do. You've heard of peer pressure? You think it only happens to teenagers? No. It happened to Saul. It happens to us all the time, as a matter of fact. Saul lost his kingdom because he rejected the word of the Lord. A great falling away from the faith in these days and in the days to come. If we listen to our own flesh or the voice of the world, remember, do not be conformed to the world. We will ultimately, may not even realize it, reject the word of the Lord, just like Samuel did. And we eventually will fall away. He, the Lord Almighty, will not take his kingdom from us, but we will willingly leave its walls and walk out of its gates, and then we'll be no longer able to re-enter those gates. Saul had Samuel to tell him the word of the Lord. David had Gad, and then later Nathan, to tell him the word of the Lord. We have the word of the Lord. We have the Holy Bible to speak to us and to guide us. And if we're true born-again believers, we have the living word, Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit, inside of us. Listen to him, please. Follow him. Obey him. He knows the way. He is the way. Walk according to his ways. Walk in him. Walk in that path. Please don't reject the word of the Lord. God bless you.